So are there any questions that anybody may have? Yeah, and that. Hold on. So what is the difference between being like filled with the Spirit and filled with the fullness of Jesus? What is the difference between being filled with the fullness of the Spirit and the fullness of Jesus? Can I say this to you? Can you ask me that question Friday night? And if we haven't answered it, that's what the whole thing's about. What we're talking about, the fullness of Jesus, it's in our soul. It's in who we are. When we're talking about the fullness of the Spirit, we're just talking about the presence of the Spirit so permeating us. But the fullness of the Spirit is not something that lasts. That's why you see Peter and John being filled with the Spirit three times in the first four chapters of the book of Acts. But when we talk about fullness in Him, we have been made complete. My God shall fulfill or complete all your needs according to His riches and glory. Or as the Father's good pleasure for all fullness dwell in Him. What we're talking about in that is fullness within our soul. Great question. Any other? But if I don't fully answer it, where you go, oh yeah, okay. Now y'all, I'm not belittling getting filled with the Spirit. I'm not belittling any of that at all. Please don't hear me that. I am one who loves to get messed up on the Holy Ghost. But what is cool is when you have the fullness, you experience the fullness of the Spirit, that it transcends into some truth in the depths of your soul. That's where it really gets good. The reality of who Jesus is. Okay. So is that why somewhere in Revelation it says that um, cowards get uh, thrown into the lake of fire because they didn't trust or weren't filled up? That's a big one. Can I can I sidestep that one? I don't. I say I don't know. Can I say that I don't really know. That's a great question, but I have to say I don't know. In relationship to that. You ask questions, but you always got to give me the room to say, I don't know. Any other questions? Let me just practice again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so this could be sort of an obvious answered question, but what is lack and what is fullness in the context of affecting what's around us? Or, or just, I'll just make it, yeah, just simple. What is lack and what is fullness? I, I mean, obviously, in some ways it's obvious, but I mean, how do you determine that? What it is? Well, that, what we'll call a lack is a need. And so what, and that, and that be honest with you, that's what the, really the whole back of the book is about. Is that we, we're talking about soulish needs now. There's three different categories of needs a person may experience. Spiritual, physical, soulish. I mean, if you cut off your need to breathe, you're in a lack. That's physical need. That's You don't go, well, cut off your need to breathe. You need to pray. Or, you know, somebody's hungry on the streets. You know, oh, you need to have faith. No, 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 no. That's a lack in the physical. You know, I mean, like last night I spent till... Late at night with a guy who was dealing with substance abuse, addiction to pills. 
Well, he's in a major area of lack in the physical. It was not the time to deal with lack in his soul that got him to this spot. I could have waxed eloquently about the awesomeness of Jesus. But he's going like, oh, it is. So that's not the time. i got to deal with the lack in his physical, get him sober, deal with him getting him off the stuff, and then we'll deal with the soul stuff. So lack in the physical, lack in the spirit, that's one thing. In the soul, though, Ben, how you can tell, that's where you deal with love, need of love, lack of love, intimacy, security, uh, purpose. Each one of those will have symptoms. And that's what it's very important to do, is to be able to identify what the symptom is. Uh, one of the most really cool things to me was one, when one time we took a, a bunch of, of the ministry training people to uh, Greece and Macedonia, and it was Kim Bonner was one of the crew. She was with us, and, and what would happen was it was one of those times. Who went with me on that? It was Tulio, Ernie, Amy, huh? Brandon, yeah, Brandon and Amy. I mean, uh, Kim. And what happened was so many people came for counseling when we got to Macedonia that what had to happen is everybody got divided up except for me, and I went from person to person. And they had to deal with, I mean, talking about in-stream circumstances. And uh, and so what I'd do is go to person to person. Well, I'll never forget this. I sat down with Kim. And Kim, we'd just been going through needs and ministry training. And the lady she starts ministering to, she just starts run, you know, open out of her mouth, comes that which fills her heart. She's starting to speak out of these needs. And I looked at Kim. I go, Kim, do you hear what she's saying? What is that? What is that, Kim? Kim was able to identify the need. She ministered to her in that area. And the crazy thing was, I've seen that lady a number of years since then. And she goes, that time that Kim ministered to me, it changed my life. Because she was able to identify the lack and minister into the fullness of Jesus in relationship to it. So what Ben's bringing up is very important. Very important. I turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Now, one of my honest convictions is our Heavenly Father is, does not long or does not desire for us to be in a state of need. And now remember, now we'll talk later about physical, soulish, and spiritual needs, but, uh, but let me just say this as a whole. Our Heavenly Father does not desire for us to be in a state of need. Uh, one of the passages that comes through my mind is in Psalm 36 where it says, we can drink our fill of the river of His delights. Or Psalm 1611. At His right hand are pleasures forever. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures forever. Or you know, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who take refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you who saints. And it says, those who, who, uh, fear the Lord shall not be, shall not, oh, it's so good. How did I forget that? Just want to make sure I get it right. Right. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. For those who fear Him, get this, for those who fear Him, there is no want. 
Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. How about that, y'all? That's promise. That's a promise. Now, why don't you talk about, talk about this stuff? That was, that was in uh, Psalm 34, verse 8 to 12. And the one I quoted earlier was Psalm 36, 8. How about this one? Let them shout for joy and rejoice who favor in my vindication. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity or the fullness of his servants. He delights in. Now, y'all, that's the heart of a father. I got to admit that. That's, I delight in seeing Shay and Michelle just experience fullness and goodness. I mean, that's the heart. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, what we want to deal with is to sort of nail this down. Where, what's going to be some keys for fullness to occur in this, in this, uh, what we want to do is we want to go back into the beginning of creation and see how God has purposed things to occur, even before the fall. And notice in Colossians 1.16, it says this, you know, the summary in Colossians 1.16, that God created what? All things. So the summary is God created everything. Well, the question is, is how did he create everything to function? It's sort of like this, uh, you know, uh, I've got a six-wheeler, Polaris six-wheeler that we use on, on the on the property. But we got, I got cars. I've got a, a lawnmower. Uh, not too long ago, the lawnmower had the had us a uh, hydrostatic. It's a what do you call it? zero turn, and it operates off hydrostatic. It doesn't have brakes, and what it does is uses high static pressure on the in the tires to either go backwards or forwards. And uh, and not long ago. It has this reservoir of fluid. Well, it got low. Temptation was, well, let's just put some oil in it. But you don't do that. So what did I have to do? I knew how, I knew it had to run, run right. And so what I want to do is make sure that I went to the manufacturer's specifications. And you go to the what? The handbook. Owner's manual, and you find out what it is. And there's a big difference between the motor oil and this fluid that you put in there for this zero turn motor. My mind's going, what do you call that pump? Hydro, it's a hydraulic fluid, yeah. Big difference. Now, y'all, the reality was, I could have put motor oil in there, and it probably ran for about, no telling, probably 10 minutes. But after a while, it broke down. But see, what I see as Christians, what we'll do is, is we will end these, be in these places of need, and what we don't understand is how God created us to function. And so what we want to do is we want to go to the manufacturer's specifications and find out how we fulfill these needs. And so in Colossians, we see some major things that we set up here. There's three major principles for creation, how God has created creation to function. I'm going to tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I am honestly convinced of this. You take these three principles in Colossians 1 in, in relationship to creation. If you can apply them into your lives, you will, I won't say this, y'all, you will never break down. I'm honestly convinced of this. Verse 17. The summary is in the last part of it. In him, what? All things, what? Hold together. In him, all things hold together. Well, the, the antithesis of that, 
If it's not in him, it's going to what? Fall apart. And so what, you know, I mean, so many times is the reality is, is, is that, uh, we try to do things without him and we get frustrated when it falls apart or it has problems, uh, like relationships. It's the classic example. You know, a couple will come to me and they'll go, Rick, uh, God, uh, God took my, this relationship, caused this relationship to fall apart. I go, God ain't had nothing to do with this thing. What are you talking about? I ask the question. I says, was Jesus the center of the relationship? They go, no. But what do you expect? If he ain't in it, it's going to what? Fall apart. And what we'll do is things start falling apart and we try to put it together. We fall apart, we put it together. Fall apart, put it together. And we get frustrated. Why is it falling apart? Because why? A principle in creation, in him all things hold together. Right? I mean, he, to me, he's the white stuff in the Oreo. You try to make an Oreo cookie stick together. Do what? What did you say, Laura? You try to make an Oreo stick together without the fullness of the white stuff. You can lick it and stick it together. After a while, it's going to what? But you've got that white stuff in there, guess what? You dip it in that milk. Does he have any Oreos out there? Second principle, verse verse 18. And get this. The summary is in the summary statement is the last part of that verse where it says that he is to have first place in what? Everything. Jesus has to have first place. Now, so many times what we'll do is, is we'll try to go do things and ask God to come and bless it. And God's going, what God initiates, he blesses. But he ain't going to come and bless our mess. I mean, he ain't going to do that. I found that the hard way. So many times I've tried to go do things and God bless it. And I'm going, God, what did you, what's happened to you? And he's going, I ain't going to do this. This is your show. you got to fund this one. And when it gets lack, I'm going, what in the world? Now think about this. He is to have first place in everything. Now I'm going to just use some crude illustrations. It's very important for you to get this down pat. Ordering. That's what it's saying. First place. Like, Putting a, a, uh, you do not put a horse and buggy. You do not put the buggy, in, the horse in the back. You put the horse in the front. You put the horse in the back. Is the horse and buggy going anywhere? Do you brush your teeth and then put toothpaste on it? Oh. You don't take a bath and get in the shower. Now, my son did say He used to do that. He would say would do was he would turn the water on, splash the water from outside the tub, splash water on the towels. <laughs> it took him more effort to do all this stuff than get in there and just take a bath. And they go, Oh, okay, come out. And you go, take a shower? Oh yeah. Anyway, I don't know what's had to do with this, but I mean, there's so many things, the illustrations I could use that what we, what we'll